1: Let's focus on the economics, a huge sure. effort coming from the monetary policy side and the fiscal side as well. Phoning in, I'm pleased to say, is Catherine Mann, City Global Chief Economist. Catherine, this is about speed now. How quickly can this bill get to the president's desk and how quickly can that bill turn into real capital that gets injected into this economy? Are you hopeful we can do a lot of that quickly?
2: Well, I think we can get the bills to the desk and so forth and it can get signed, but it is really about getting the financing out to the part of the economy that is desperately in need of it. Um, I, you know, there's 50% of the economy that does not um, doesn't borrow uh, through bonds or through equities, and it's 50% of the economy, both the businesses and the workers. Those are the parts that I really worry about because it's much more difficult to get money to them. And if and if they are, uh, if the businesses go bankrupt, if, if the workers uh, become unemployed, then it's going to be very difficult to get to a rebound that a lot of people are uh, forecasting for the U.S. economy in the second half. You cannot get to a strong rebound. Uh, that's going to pull the economy out of recession, uh, unless you can keep the lights on at the 50% of the um, economy, both the businesses and the workers. Neither one of them have cash buffers.
1: Catherine, it's really, really difficult to get a read on the second half of this year. And I totally agree with you. And I'm sure many people listening to this program do too. So let's try and assess the damage we're doing to the global economy, the US economy right now. We had a really ugly jobless claims print yesterday. Are you saying it could get a whole lot worse from here before it gets better?
2: That's the general view: is that it will get worse before it gets better, and the point is that we that we would like to not have it get as bad as it could. I mean, in, in some sense, uh, there, the numbers could be much, much higher because the services component of the economy, much more labor-intensive, uh, much more smaller business-intensive. And so, you know, uh, saving the big corporates, obviously that that's relevant for the stock market. That is that is a component of the of the fiscal plan. It's a, a very big component of the, of the Federal Reserve's program as well. But, you know, the, the rest of the economy, uh, the half of the economy that is not in that category... The businesses and the workers; those are the essential ones that we have to have uh, maintained uh, in business, ready to go when the co- when the uh, virus uh, finally dissipates.
0: Catherine, Dr. Fauci talks about the aspirations of the president to get back to work. I'm not going to ask it a game, Easter, April 12th, mm-hmm. but when do you suggest America has any sense of normal GDP? I'll, let's just say a zero percent right. value i mean is it a 2020 event or do you have to be grimmer than that and go out further
2: so the the our, our US economist does have the year-over-year year, uh, 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 growth rate in 2020 at a negative point5 uh, but the trajectory moves uh the US economy back into positive territory um, by the end of the year so so if if yeah. in fact we can keep Going, uh, keep the lights on at the 50 percent of the economy, and keep those people, uh, uh, the workers' uh, balance sheets uh, sane, and, that, and that's what the okay. objective of some of these programs are: is to, to keep the households from going into the deep, deep hole that right. they went in the global financial crisis.
0: But you're going to tell me the consumers 70 percent. I don't know what the income share is yeah. in the United States, but it's a huge yep. number. Yep. It, to John's point, is this just a starting point? I mean, are we talking about 12 and 14 trillion dollars of stimulus to get us out to the Citigroup trajectory months and months away?
2: I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's about to me, to my view, it's, 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 the money matters, of course, but it's also the speed. Uh, The the point is, is if, if, if we can't keep the businesses in business and the the worker balance sheets uh, sane, uh, stable, then the recession is deeper, and once the recession gets deeper it's much more expensive and hard to get out so the reason we need to go move fast to get the money out to the to the businesses and the workers is because if they if they go bankrupt if the workers go on unemployment compensation uh if their balance sheets get uh messed up because you know they don't they don't have enough money to to pay the rent to, to feed the family then then the recession is deeper and once you're into the hole, then it's much more expensive to get out. And, you know, your debt sustainability, there are people out there who worry about such things. Uh, your debt sustainability is also at risk. So do it now. Do it fast. Do it big. Do it fast. Um, and- do it big. Well, do it fast is sort of anathema to Congress. And we're seeing that. Yeah. We're seeing the move at lightning speed. And yet they still haven't gotten it passed. And once they get it passed, it's unclear when they can get the checks in the mail and when they could actually get the SBA up and running and giving those loans.
3: Is the Fed going to be doing the heavy lifting here?
2: So uh, I think one thing is, is that there's uh, there's uh, p- p- part of the discussion is on um, getting the financial institutions directly into connection with firms and and, and uh, uh, bypassing the SBA. Uh, the SBA's got a different uh, timetable, usually, uh, for what they do, and so the objective is to to have the financial institutions go directly, uh, have firms come directly to the financial institutions uh, and not have to go through the SBA process because speed is of the essence. As I say, most of those businesses, they have a cash flow buffer of maybe a month, maybe less than a month. We're already... Two or three weeks into this, so uh, you know w- when they say I-, I have to let you go, I, I have to close my business. But by-, by the way, I've been told to close my business, and-, and you know you have you have a payroll, you can't you don't have any cash buffer, so right. uh, we have to right. yeah keep those uh, companies going. Well, I guess the reason why I say is the Fed taking the focus here, because they are supporting the financial markets, because that is the transmission of credit that's much more efficient than trying to go through some of the governmental agencies that, uh, from, from a number of reports, have been understaffed even. I'm just wondering what that means for the Fed's power going forward. I mean, they already have taken some unprecedented measures. How much more are they going to do in taking the front role here? So you're right. They the you know the financial system is the mechanism through which you get credit. Uh, but the, the Federal Reserve is also taking on this role of, um, you know, it's a policy put on every part of your portfolio. You know, you've got some the funds, you know, you've got the treasuries, uh, you know, and you get uh, the only – there's very little that, that the Fed isn't uh, going to go out there and buy. So, you know, as I say, it used to be a policy put on the Treasuries. Now it's the entire entire uh, portfolio. So there's some, I think, going, we've got to do that now. I, I know that. Um, but, but if I, I think that uh, it, it reduces the power of the Fed going in the longer term because it ties its hands, uh, because you end up with a problem of how do you do monetary policy normalization when uh, you've got everything on your balance sheet? Um, it makes it very difficult to... to to be the arbiter of, of uh, monetary policy normalization, we're thinking about this way out in the future. Yeah. Uh, it's not something we should think about now, but but you know, in the back of your mind, you're going to say, you know, I, I'm all in here. Um, how do I get out?
1: Catherine Mann, great to get your thoughts this morning. Special thanks to you and the team over at City City Global Chief Economist. A policy put on every part of your portfolio. It <laughs> felt that way for much of this week. We'll talk about it a little bit later on this program.
4: We would like to welcome Robert Kaplan to Bloomberg Television and Radio Worldwide. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Obviously, only one topic to be here, Mike. everybody's minds. The House expected to pass the fiscal stimulus bill this morning, and then I guess you'll be in business. But what business is that going to be? The Treasury could give you as much as $454 billion from this bill, which could leverage up to $4.5 trillion. Even for an old Goldman Sachs guy like you, that seems like a lot of money.
5: Yeah, I mean, the key, the key to uh, uh, the proposal uh, from the Fed point of view is there's a number of special-purpose vehicles that are being created to implement these programs to buy uh, assets from commercial paper to asset-backed securities to corporate bonds uh, to municipal uh, commercial paper. And so yeah, each of these special-purpose vehicles requires approximately $10 billion to seed And so uh, the money from uh, from the bill will be used to seed these various programs that we've already announced.
4: Uh, The bill also suggests two new lending programs from the Fed, one for companies and one for the small business or the Main Street lending program that you guys talked about. Uh, What's the difference between the two? What is the Main Street program?
5: Well, it's the, the details are still being worked out, but the, the long and the short of it is uh, w- we would help uh, lend to small businesses, but we would do it thro- most likely through commercial banks, but we will provide credit support to those banks so that they can, uh, they can step forward and make loans that, 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 are, that are appropriate, uh, but they can do it with confidence, that they have credit support. Uh, That program is still being developed, and we're still working on the details of that.
4: Well, still being developed, the need is immediate. How soon do you think you can start getting cash to companies?
5: Uh, I I would think very quickly. Uh, I've been careful to avoid setting an exact timetable, but you can be sure that uh, we're working uh, furiously here at the Fed to, uh, to put the, the team to have the teams in place and work out the details and get those programs ready and and you can have confidence that we will do that.
4: You're also going to have the ability to lend to states and cities. Give me an idea of how that would work.
5: Well primarily uh, we've, we've already announced, uh, that we will be buying, uh, through another special purpose vehicle, the commercial paper of, uh, of, of cities and states, municipalities. And that program is already well underway in terms of being formed. Uh, and it's going to be primarily uh, through the, 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 the purchase of uh, commercial paper that's, issuance, that's issued. Uh,
4: some of this uh, lending seems to put monetary policy squarely in the fiscal camp. How do you feel about that?
5: Uh, in this environment, it's necessary uh, in that um, while it's unusual and a number of these authorities are unprecedented, uh, I think we, I think it's critical that we adapt to the reality on the ground and we adapt to the challenge, and that's what we're doing. So I think it's, it's in this situation, it's quite appropriate.
4: Can you get out of this when it's all over?
5: Uh, yes, I mean, uh, we'll obviously have to work on how to do that all that in an appropriate way. Uh, but, but yes, I, b- I, believe, I believe that we will. Everybody understands or the country understands this is an unusual time. And the reason we're implementing these programs is these uh, either municipalities or businesses or um, other entities don't have cash flow because we've asked them to shut down. Uh, once they're up and running again, and they have their own cash flow, uh, it, it w- we'll be able to, I would think, uh, withdraw from some of these programs. But in the void, uh, we wanna make sure that these small businesses, big, uh, larger businesses, medium-sized businesses and municipalities continue to function. And I think that's critical uh, as, we, uh, as we do the things we need to do to social distance and quarantine in some cases in order to defeat this virus.
4: A trillion here, a trillion there, to paraphrase Everett Dirksen. Uh, you start to talk about real money. You uh, might have you- <laughs> said
5: a billion at the time, but yes. <laughs> when you uh,
4: when you look at that kind of real money going into the economy, do you worry about inflation?
5: Uh, so some, uh, r- right now I would call what we're doing uh, under the category of quote-unquote relief, meaning uh, this is intended to keep uh, uh, all the bills, including the fiscal bills, are to keep uh, individuals functioning and being able to pay their bills, small businesses functioning, municipalities functioning, larger businesses functioning, so that uh, when the virus is defeated, we can walk and then we can run and then we can sprint out of this. Uh, And so um, uh, in that regard, I don't know how inflationary it will be because it's more relief than stimulus. Uh, I think a lot of the forces, unfortunately, on the other end, as we come out of this, might in fact be deflationary and that we're likely to have a spike uh, in the unemployment rate. We will work that down. We'll have more excess capacity. I think a number of those forces actually will be deflationary.
4: We're speaking with Robert Kaplan, the Dallas Fed Bank president on Bloomberg Radio and Television. one of your colleagues, speaking of unemployment, says we could see thirty percent and a fifty percent decline in GDP in the second quarter. What kind of numbers do you see?
5: So our, our forecast of the Dallas Fed is, uh, is is not on that scale, and that uh, we, we think you'll see a substantial contraction in uh, the second quarter. Our own estimates is it won't be uh, it won't be that big, but it, it, it'll be, but it could be in the twenties uh, in our view on an and just to point out on an annualized basis. It will be uh, in the 20s, and we can have some decline also at least in the first part of the third quarter. And our own internal forecast here at the Dallas Fed is you could see the unemployment rate peak in the low to mid teens, but we would expect that would quickly um, be de- would quickly decline. We would hope to something like seven or eight percent. Uh, by the end of the year, and then we would have to spend 2021 20, working that unemployment rate down. Uh, but we'll have an elevated level of unemployment uh, for sure as uh, as we come out of this.
4: Well, do you see a, a V-shaped recovery, a U? Uh, could this be a very long, slow recovery?
5: Uh, I, I listen. Everything we're doing, uh, and that, in, and, and in addition, the fiscal response is all with the intention that once this virus is defeated, we will move forward as expeditiously and quickly and strongly as possible. The thing that, that I don't know, and we'll have to see as we go, um, uh, uh, is what will be the effect on small businesses. Uh, and I've talked I talk to lots of small businesses as well as larger businesses. You know, a lot of small businesses may come out of this either smaller, some small businesses may conclude that they don't want to continue to operate out of this, uh, it, given that their businesses were not as strong even going into this. Uh, and bigger businesses are going to have to assess how much demand do they have, what's the size of their business, um, and, and rescale and reconfigure what they're doing. And so, um, And then the consumer behavior. Uh, we're going to have to learn what consumer behavior is on the other side of this. I would think consumers, and we think of the Dal said, consumers are liable to be more cautious, may well save more. You could understand why, uh, and um, and and their spending habits may be a little bit different than they were, and they will have a higher unemployment rate. So, I think these are all things that it's a little too soon to gauge, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna climb out of this. It's just a question of how fast do we go again from uh, walking to running to sprinting. And, um, and we're still trying to come to grips with that question.
4: Well, what are you seeing in Dallas, uh, in the Dallas district? Uh, what are companies telling you there about their prospects?
5: So you're hearing a lot of things, I think, that uh, we're hearing around the country. For small businesses, they're worried about uh, survival. Um, and, and that's probably true of even small and medium-sized businesses, where they've just never they've they've mapped a lot of scenarios, but never mapped the scenario where literally they were asked to shut down and revenue just stopped. And so there's a lot great concern, particularly among small businesses, about whether they can make it to the other side, even with the loan assistance that we're talking about. For even bigger businesses, depending on what industry they're in, we're also having the same discussion in that um, they're just trying to assess how long uh, how, to, how to manage their people, how to protect their people, but also how to manage their business during a period where their revenue is dramatically declined and, and great concern and in particular, uh, which is what we're working on, will they have availability of capital um the big the big other issue we deal with in texas that most states are not is energy Uh, we had in addition to the coronavirus an unprecedented energy shock that happened about two or three weeks ago with saudi and uh and russia so from the coronavirus we were going to be globally oversupplied on energy to begin with and the russia um saudi uh dispute uh, and, and desire to pump even more makes this oversupply even worse. So we have a dramatic global oversupply issue for oil, which has dramatically hurt the price of oil. And so you're going to see lots of uh, restructuring, some failures, uh, and lots of challenges in the Permian Basin. And we think, we think the Permian will actually shrink this year. We thought it would, before this happened, we thought it would grow more slowly. Now we actually think the production from the Permian Basin is likely to shrink. And the only reason you won't see it shrinking faster is some of these firms have forward commitments to sell their product. But as those lapse, you'll see a shrinkage uh, across the industry.
4: Last question, as everybody looks to the Federal Reserve to sort of pull us out of this, what's your message to people uh, who maybe saw Chairman Powell yesterday say we're probably in recession now?
5: Well, the the message is, uh, we knew we were going to be in a recession. We've, it's a self-mandated recession. It's a different kind of recession. Normally, re- recessions are things we want to we, we avoid at all costs or we avoid. This is a recession that we've induced. We needed to do this in order to fight this virus. Having said that, uh, we were strong before we went into this. And we believe we've got a, a, a great chance to come out of this very strong. But everything, the message is everything the Federal Reserve is doing. And in addition, uh, all the fiscal responses that you're seeing are with the intention of as we, as we defeat the virus and we climb out of this situation, we do it as strong as possible and increase the probability that we're going to be uh, – uh, uh, we'll have a new normal as we come out of this, but we'll come out of this strong and we'll get stronger uh, as we end this year and go into next year.
4: Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Stay safe down there in Texas. We would like to welcome the Atlanta Fed Bank President, Rafael Bostic to Bloomberg Television and Radio Worldwide. Thank you for joining us this morning. House expected to pass the fiscal stimulus bill, then uh, you get lots of money from the Treasury, according to the uh, bill. Uh, What is the plan? Uh, The Main Street lending program that you talked about. uh, What is that going to be?
3: Well, first of all, good morning, Mike. It's good to be on with you, and good morning to everyone. Uh, Just to to provide some context, you know, coming out of this uh, crisis or coming into the crisis, what we saw was a lot of financial markets. Uh, really starting to break down in terms of their funding. And so, uh, we announced a number of facilities that, uh, were going to be designed to help those markets function more smoothly. And, um, a lot of the funding in the bill was really oriented towards providing the backstop so that we can do that, uh, in an appropriate way that, that meets with our authorities. Uh, the Main Street Lending Program is another one of these, um, that has been designed to really try to help small businesses. As you know, uh, many small businesses don't have an extended buffer to uh, to, to weather uh, weeks of not having revenues, and so they're under a lot of stress. And so, the the way the program is conceived conceptually is to provide them with a bridge that allows them to uh, to really stay in business, keep their employees on board, and uh, and get us to the other side of the of the program. Um, the other side of the crisis. This hasn't fully been worked out. And, you know, I've been on calls pretty much continuously for the last two days, trying to work through all the little details. There's a there's a lot, as you know, this is quite uh, unprecedented for the Federal Reserve to be trying to do this. So we want to make sure we do this right in a way that doesn't lead to uh, problems down the road, but also in a way that uh, that gets the money out. Uh, as quickly as possible.
4: Well, how do you do that? Uh, do people line up outside the Atlanta Fed with loan applications, or how's this going to work?
3: Well, uh, you know, the Fed doesn't typically do direct lending like that. Uh, my expectation is that this will work through the banking institutions that already have relationships with many of the businesses that are going to be uh, needing support. So, you know, we're already working with small businesses with uh, with banks to uh, to address. Uh, some of the small business constraints. We're encouraging them to think about uh, modifying some loan terms, deferring requirements for principal and interest on those loans, extending those terms as well, all with the idea of trying to reduce the the, the current time pressure that these businesses are facing. So uh, so we're going to do more with the banks, is my expectation, and uh, and I look forward to uh, being able to announce this as, quick, as soon as possible.
4: How soon do you think that is? I mean, the, the need is immediate. You walk down the street anywhere and you just see store after store shuttered.
3: Well, you know, there's been a lot of focus on small businesses laying off a lot of, of, of their workers. Uh, but, you know, we're doing a lot of surveys here in the 6th District in the Southeast. And one thing that, that has been heartening is that many of these businesses have been saying, we're we're, we're going to try to hold on as long as we can. We're not going to make any permanent decisions about our staff or our operations until we see the full range of support that's happened. I think the bill that is being going through Congress right now is a good first step to do that. And uh, we are going to work with this lending program to make sure that we get this out in time. Uh, we fully understand that time is of the essence here, and we're going to do all we can to, to make sure that we're not late with this support.
4: You'll also have the ability to lend more uh, to states and cities. How does that work? Uh, Is this just the program that you've announced or do you expand that?
3: Well, you know, one thing I I would say is um, we're going to wait and see. We're going to watch how these markets operate and see whether there are segments of the market that are not still working uh, close to where they were under more normal times. And if we decide and determine that those, those, those uh, segments are not working well, uh, we'll look to set up other facilities to support them. For now, what we're seeing with uh, the facilities that we've set up though, is that many of the tensions and stresses that, have, uh, that were rocking the market a couple weeks ago uh, seem to be moving in the other direction, which is quite positive. But uh, we're gonna remain diligent to make sure that uh, as time passes, if things do start to deteriorate again, we are going to be ready to step in and try to provide whatever support we can.
4: Uh, You mentioned that some of the businesses in your district are relatively optimistic or at least want to try to be about staying around. But I'm wondering about uh, cities and states. You've got a couple of the poorer states in your district, and there's been a lot of concern about shrinking revenues because they're not collecting any taxes at at, at this point. How bad is that situation?
3: Well, we don't know for sure right now, and I would say two things on this. One, uh, I I think that we're going to see are coming together in the public sector to make sure that every jurisdiction um, at the state and at the city level uh, is able to to get through this crisis uh, and still be functioning at the end. But the second, which is another important thing, is that um, this is a public health crisis. This is actually quite different than uh, some of the economic disruptions that we've seen in the past. And as a consequence, I think there's the possibility that once the public health crisis has gotten under control and we don't have that issue anymore, the economy may rebound actually quite robustly. And, uh, you know, the chair said yesterday uh, on on the news that uh, the economy started in a good place. And I think that's exactly right. And that's something that uh, we all should keep in mind. And the goal for almost all of these pro- projects and programs is to try to make sure that when we get on the other side of this, the economy is as close to that place as, it wa- to, as possible so that uh, when recovery and, and, and health is not a major concern, uh, the economy can really start kicking back on all the cylinders and, and running quite strongly. So my hope is that um, if we do the responsible things and take care of our public health problem, that the economy can rebound and some of the shortfalls that you're talking about uh, wind up not being as as deep as as they could be.
4: Well, how bad do you think the shortfall could get? What does the Atlanta Fed see in terms of unemployment, in terms of GDP going forward?
3: So you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I've talked to my macro um, uh, forecasters, and what they tell me is that you know, in this environment where we've had basically an induced Uh, contraction, a sharp contraction, that forecasts are really difficult to do, and so we're definitely expecting GDP for the second quarter to be close to zero, uh, or for the first quarter, close to zero. Second quarter, definitely negative. Uh, But then the third quarter, there's really sort of an open question as to how quickly we get the, uh, the, the public health crisis, this coronavirus spread under control. Uh, and among my forecasters, you know, there's debate about whether we'll start to see that in early in the third quarter, middle of the third quarter, or the fourth quarter. So, um, so I think it can be pretty tough for the next month or so. Uh, but then a lot of the trajectory will, de- will depend on how we deal with the public health issue.
4: You have a background in housing. Uh, there's no money in the stimulus bill for mortgage forgiveness or uh, rent delays or things like that. How, how do you think housing plays out here?
3: Well, it, it, it will depend. You know, uh, I would say that uh, what we've seen through the Congress is a series of bills trying to address various aspects of the, uh, the, the crisis and the economic downturn. The housing market is one where we're continuing to have conversations. You know, I, I've gotten contacts from uh, many in the in the uh, the property markets and the property industry, and they're telling me about their challenges. So we are working right now to try to understand those better and make sure that uh, that there isn't collateral damage in, in housing markets, such that one either one a, a bunch of uh, companies go out of business, or two a lot of people lose their homes. So. We're going to try to make sure that as we get through this, uh, the housing sector uh, it is not a repeat of what happened in the Great Recession.
4: In this uh, stimulus bill, the fiscal stimulus bill, you're getting a lot more money, a lot more power from Congress, but they're also putting some restrictions on what you do, uh, say, uh, you know, in terms of the corporate loan program and what companies are allowed to do. Uh, does it bother you that the line between fiscal and monetary is getting quite blurred?
3: So I don't think so. Well, first of all, no, it doesn't bother me. Um, And the thing to to remember is that all of these are, all these facilities are being stood up under emergency authorities. And I think the important context to keep in mind here is that we're in an emergency. And when we're in emergency, we should, one of the lessons that we learned coming out of the Great Recession was um, act strong, act definitively, attack uh, in a very aggressive way those parts of the market that are are weak to try to uh, limit how deep or how negative things get. So it doesn't trouble me about this. Um, We have these authorities. The Congress has given them to us, and uh, we'll use them in emergency. And uh, I have every confidence that we're going to apply them in a very responsible way.
4: A Last question, as you stand up all of these authorities and get deeper into this, um, what unintended consequences do you foresee? What are you worried about down the road when we come out of this on the other side?
3: Well, I'll I'll say in the short run, I'm I'm worried about just my staff. We're under, we're working incredibly hard to stand these things up and across the entire Federal Reserve System. Uh, So I want to make sure that uh, that we are doing this using as our, all of our resources, and I'm spending a lot of my time right now just trying to keep people, make sure, keep an eye on people and make sure their frame of mind is, is positive. On the backside, I think that, um, one thing I'll be looking for is, uh, a, a measure and a gauge of consumer confidence to see how, uh, how consumers and households are thinking and feeling about the U.S. economy, uh, and their prospects. You know, after this, because that will, uh, as you know, play a very important role in shaping people's willingness to consume and spend and invest in themselves and in their businesses. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, all the things that we're doing today will uh, will give people some confidence and that confidence will carry through into the recovery period
4: we can hope thank you very much atlanta fed bank president rafael bostic for joining us on bloomberg radio and television worldwide how about what to do
0: with the little pot that you have which has become a smaller investment portfolio over the recent weeks daryl Cronk is with wells fargo where he really thinks hard about these kind of things Daryl, bonds are stocks right now. I haven't asked that question in weeks. Do, do you want to own bonds or stocks at this moment?
6: Well, we'd still be a little bit conservative on stocks here, Tom. I mean, I, I think if you look, um, 35% decline in stocks, um, you get a 20% retracement or rebound, right? But history tells us over and over again, if you look at the 13 big waterfall decline since 1929 nine of those 13 have uh retested or broken the low on an average two months later after that initial decline so history tells us the deeper the decline the higher the bounce which we've got the last three days and then the deeper the retest even on the four instances that didn't set fresh lows after two months later Three of those four at least retested the lows but didn't break them. The only instance that you can find uh, going back decades and decades is the December 2018 instance where we had a true V bottom and bounce. So point is, I think you need to be a little cautious, a little defensive here on stocks. You know, 2200 was the low on the S&P. So let it drift back down here. And then I think there's going to be some phenomenal buying opportunities on the equity
4: side.
7: All right, so Daryl, if we do want to uh, look out to the other side of this, what are some of the sectors you're suggesting to your Wells Fargo clients that they maybe they think about to the extent they want to get back into the market or maybe put some new money to work?
6: Yeah, it's a great uh, question, Paul. So right now, if, if we're favoring sectors, what we want to have is – Information technology, which, again, is up in quality, has some of the strongest balance sheets, some of the highest level of cash on balance sheet, you know, fortress-type balance sheets, um, and probably recovers. We do like comm services, communication services. We also like the consumer discretionary sector. And we think you can actually, from a value standpoint, start um, ticking away at financials here. You're getting some yeah. of the banks at – you know, really cheap price to book levels. Sorry. So
0: you're, you're saying Microsoft's a consumer discretionary because they own Minecraft, right? Everybody, right. you know, coast to coast with these shutdowns and the kids home, they're all glued to Minecraft. So I guess Microsoft can be like, you know, Procter and Gamble or something like that. Daryl, tell me about the financials. That seems to be the surveillance point of debate this week. We got some people saying run, and I believe you're saying no, you see some value within the banks.
6: Well, obviously, um it was time to run prior to this, right? I mean, the, the financial or the, the KBW uh, financial index is oh. down 51% peak to trough. Um, but you know, again, strongest they've been in decades from a capital and liquidity standpoint, you guys know that. You know, If I can buy financials less than one times tangible book, which many of them today are trading at 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 times book, you just don't get those opportunities very frequently, Tom. And when you do, history tells us 12, 24 months out, they're exceptional opportunities.
7: So, Darrell, we're going to see some really, really ugly economic numbers over the next uh, several months. We got a taste of that with the jobless claims of you know 3.28 million uh, yesterday. How can any equity portfolio stack up against what's going to be some rising unemployment, just some just incredibly negative 2Q GDP prints? Uh, it just seems like the market is really going to be challenged over the next several months as it digests all this data.
6: I think you're right, Paul, and I think that's why we want to be a little bit patient and careful here because, again, if you take that as phase one, the initial draft down, phase two is often this long, elongated um, consolidation phase of test and retest volatile up and down right so you have plenty of time to put capital to work in the equity markets it's not going to get away from you to the upside and then eventually phase three when the data improves you start to see then you break out into the next bull market it's interesting if you go back and look um, historically um, economic recessions you know again going back to 1929 the average market bottoms four months before the recession ends with an average recession being thirteen months. So if you were to say we're you know, thirty days into this recession, um, I don't know if the if this one's gonna last thirteen months. We actually think it may be shorter than that because of what happened and how we moved into it. But let's just say it's you know, four, five, six months out, um, then you wanna look for four months prior to that is when history tells you markets in yeah. the bottom.
0: This is a really, really I'm really glad you bring this up, Daryl. This is an incredibly important point. And, and I don't think it's ever said enough, particularly within the business media, the market's always looking out forward and as a discount mechanism of as a general research statement, six months. Good morning, UMass Amherst, which is in mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, which have a great heritage of researching this. Has that changed in the modern day? Does the market still look out about six months?
6: Yeah, it, it actually does. And I would actually argue it's, it's extended, Tom. I mean, I, th- I think the market is almost trying to look out more like 9, 10, 11, maybe even approaching 12 months. So, um, But I just don't think it's realistic to think if we're in a bear market and we're everybody acknowledges, ourselves included, that we're in a recession, we don't know exactly how long and how deep yet, that it would be unrealistic to think a bear market lasts 30 days and a recession lasts 30 days, or it would certainly be unprecedented.
7: So Daryl, give us a, your assessment on kind of what we've seen coming out of Washington. The Fed seems to have been pretty aggressive, pretty out in front. We've now, looks like we're getting some strong movement with $2 trillion of stimulus. Uh, how do you think that's going to impact the economy? Well, it will impact the economy. I mean, by any means, we've had 12 historic
6: policy actions in the month of March. Each one unto itself would be a massive story. Uh, Paul and Tom. I mean, just, you know, you could write about this. It will go down in the annals of history. I mean, certainly if you take the $2 trillion package that's going to get passed by the House today, that's about 10% of GDP, right? And if you were to add in everything the Fed either is doing or can do, the total stimulus accounts to close to 30% of GDP, which is nothing like we've ever seen before, Tom.
0: Are you brave enough to buy investment-grade bonds?
6: Yes, we like investment grade bonds here. And again, with the the Federal Reserve coming in and now beginning through their multiple programs of that exactly. kind of soup, of not just buying investment grade bonds, but also buying investment grade bond ETFs and everything else, there's really good support. You now have what I call the adopted fixed income asset groups, and you oh, have listen to you. What income. is
0: that? What is <laughs> that?
6: Well, so think about the adopted groups are places where the Federal Reserve is actively buying. So, municipal bond market, commercial paper, investment grade corporate bonds, asset backed yeah. securities. The orphan groups <clears throat> are places where they're not. High yield, non-agency CMBS, yeah. uh, RMBS, CLOs. School
0: school companies. tuitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're nice. not they're, they're not covering that. <laughs> okay daryl kronk thank you so much as wells fargo that was a great walk through folks of what to do with portfolio just one opinion but very very valuable paul i want you to bring in our next guest here as we uh, confront this continuing crisis we do this on a, a beautiful friday but beneath the beauty of this yep. island of manhattan and the five boroughs there's a lot going on
7: Absolutely, Tom. Let's get, uh, we want to get down into the weeds here of this virus. Dr. Kritika Kopali, infectious disease physician and fellow at Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Absolutely no better place to go and no better person to chat with here. So, doctor, give us a sense of kind of where we are with the virus right now. Is the U.S. doing what it needs to do to slow the growth here? Because the numbers just aren't showing it yet.
8: Yeah, that's a really great question, and so, as you know, uh, yesterday the U.S. overtook China with uh, having the greatest number of cases reported, with um, over 86,000 cases uh, as of this morning, and, uh, you know, that, that was not unexpected at all, given uh, what we were looking at um, even from a few months ago. Uh, In terms of where the U.S. is right now, uh, you know, we're still in dire needs. Um, We need diagnostics still. uh, We need to to still ramp up testing. uh, We need PPE for our frontline workers. um, And so there's still a lot of things that we need to uh, have done.
7: So, Doctor, you know, there's been some discussion, namely uh, from the president, about trying to balance the get back to work to save the economy versus you know continuing the shutdown to slow the growth of the virus how do you think we should balance that as a country?
8: Yeah so you know I think we really need to let the numbers and what's going on dictate what we do in terms of getting back to work and uh, reopening things because What's going to happen is if we open things too soon, we're just going to have a resurgence in the number of cases. And while I understand the importance of having our economy up and going again, we won't have a functional economy if we don't have healthy people who are alive to interact in the economy. And so I really do think we need to let uh, our scientists and our uh, modelers look at what's going on and really Uh, help advise as to what we
0: do. Kritika, you are, you know, leading here. I I, am thinking of the gentleman, the name escapes me right now, uh, a gentleman in England who has done so much in Africa and and really in the combat warfare against viruses, Ebola and all the others uh, as well. How do you transfer the lessons learned from the continent of Africa over to Brooklyn, New York?
8: Yeah, you know, that's that's something I actually have been saying for um, a couple weeks now is that we really need to look at what our uh, colleagues in Africa and um, other resource-limited countries have done as we try and scale up our response here. And I think, you know, these are areas where they have been um, used to dealing with infectious diseases, outbreaks, they're used to having limited resources, and um, they have been in some cases very right. successful to combating well, these things. So we need...
0: I mean, this is so, so important. I mean, right now, the buzz this morning is some guy with brilliant technology has figured out where the horde of college kids on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, and then they distributed and could follow their cell phones across, you know, a half of America or whatever. You know, you've dealt with people that are in dire straits in controlling a virus. How do we transfer their seriousness and their adultness over to a bunch of people having a, you know, a happy hour on a beach in Florida?
8: Yeah, it's really hard. Um, again, I think it's, you know, taking people who have the expertise, um, that have worked in places like Africa and other resource limited countries and working to advise our, uh, governments and our administration and the people who are on the ground right now rather than reinventing the wheel. And I see a lot of people trying to reinvent the wheel um, because they haven't dealt with this before. And I think they really need to leverage uh, the experience we have of people who've been on the forefront of these types of outbreaks in Uh. the past.
7: Dr. Kritika Kapali, thank, thank you so much. so much for joining us. A uh, smart discussion, Tom, which we uh, certainly need here. Uh, Dr. Kapali is an infectious disease physician and fellow at Johns Hopkins Center for Health yeah. Security, and that seems uh, pretty appropriate right now.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen.